and welcome to Coffee and Catholics, a Catholic women's talk show podcast. I'm Stacy, one of your hosts, and with me I have... Hi, I'm Alicia. I'm Annie. And I'm Lauren. Hello, and welcome to Coffee and Catholics. In this episode, we are talking with Nell O'Leary, she is the managing editor for Blessed She. Um, she also is a national speaker and a podcaster. And we are so glad she's here to join us today. Hi. 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 Welcome. Um, you guys are so generous for having me on. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. We just thought we would um, kind of start off by asking you a little bit about your background. You know, I was reading a lot of your bios and talked about your you have a degree in law. And then how do you go from having a, you know, being a lawyer to being a Catholic writer and podcaster and, you know, all these wonderful things that you do? Yeah. Tell us how you became managing editor of Blessed Is She before, uh, with your law degree. We're just curious how how this came to be. Well, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Yes. So a friend of mine from law school, uh, introduced me to another Catholic mommy blogger. I was, I've been practicing law. I was taking a break. I had our second child. It was just not feasible to my husband's an attorney. So like both be working attorneys. So I'm at home with little kids. They were 22 months apart. And uh, this friend from law school said, hey, there's another Catholic mommy blogger in Minnesota. Thought, oh, that's nice. So I, I met this woman who actually now is a good friend. She added me to a Facebook group. And that was a, a Catholic women's blogging Facebook group that Jenna Gizar was had been running. She was blogging about like diapers. Yeah. Parenting. This is like 2014. And she just wrote in there, hey, does anyone want to help me uh, run this this thing where we would write little um, devotions or reflections on the mass readings for the day? And I thought, oh my gosh, yeah, I was the managing editor of Law Review and I clerked for a like, judge. I worked on literary journals in my undergrad. Like, this is definitely my speed. Also, yeah. I'm just so desperate to do something that isn't just be with my little kids. So if I could help out just a little bit, I would be so grateful. Yeah. So that's how it started. And everyone was volunteer for many years. It just was like in between naps and diapers yeah. and bedtime and doing it. And now it's just God's grown it. And it's her family's, her whole family's involved, her whole family ministry. And I get to do it while still taking care of my kids, which is such an honor. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's very mysterious. It's a very curvy road. You can't really get there from here. Most people who are attorneys don't end up being staying right. <laughs> And end up being like an editor for a Catholic women's organization. It's a little, it's a little curvy, a little yeah. curveball. But such a utilization of all of your gifts. And as we read in your book, so much of your background um, seems to have prepared you for this moment, this, this work that you're doing now, everything led up to that, you know, and it's so beautiful to, to read about that and to, to hear about that. I hope we can dive a little more into that tonight. Thank you, Laura. It's so funny. God definitely has a plan. It's not our plan. It's very rarely our plan, right? Right. <laughs> One of the stories that you I read of yours the other day, but it's, it's the first one in the in the book about the um, my worth as a child. I like how you use your your own stories in your writing. But you make it relatable to other people. I could see my, I could put myself in your story, if that makes any sense. Like the way you write, 
made it where I, like I was like, oh yeah, I felt that way a couple times as a kid and being set aside and mm-hmm. not involved, but seeing everything happening and but not really knowing what was happening at the same time. And so I, I really I really enjoyed your style of writing and how you try to make those things relate, relatable to everybody, even though it's your story, if that makes any sense. You know, I think it's really funny how I, I just find that story is one of the most powerful tools for evangelization yeah. because God works in our lives in ways that are so particular to us and show his plan, his thought. And the joy of, of working on a book like this is that myself and the other four writers, we, we actually we have like, we had like a word count where the first 200 words would be the story and then the second 200 words would be like pulling out, like extracting from scripture. Like what's the universal principle here that mm-hmm. anyone can relate to? So it doesn't feel like, oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. A bunch of stories about their lives and there's some Jesus sprinkled on top. I'm like, oh, that's, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. But then the last 200 words are, you know, turning back to the reader and saying like, okay, like how, how would this apply for you? And how can you, how can you go deeper into the sacred scripture and, and not just consume another book. There's so many great books out there. You just didn't need to contribute to the noise, the noise of product consumption, but instead, how, how does, yeah, like you said, like how does this apply to you? There are universal truths to our stories, and sometimes we can share them most effectively if we're actually sharing a really personal, specific part of ours, mm-hmm. and then kind of like widen the lens, like mm-hmm. of a camera, say like, but actually, everyone's had this. And Satan mm-hmm. wants to think we're the only one. He's like, yes. just you think you stink real bad. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. But we all we all have these struggles. And the beauty of sharing that is to feel less alone and know, like, okay, okay. God's working in her life. He's probably working in my life, too. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. beautiful. Um, I really loved one of the things that you did. You mentioned this in one of the earlier stories, I think. You talked about the idea of inviting God into the memories and into the wounded places in your life, sort of like going back through those time periods where you experience that broken identity that you talk about, or that misshapen identity where things don't line up with the way that God sees you. And you invite him into that, to walk with you through that. Tell me how you came to that place in your life, because at another point in the book, you talk about just being kind of involved in Blessed Is She, but still being more interested and just kind of checking those boxes. But then there seems to be some transformation that occurred where you were able to come closer to the Lord and draw nearer to Him and be less afraid. What was that journey? Tell me when that point happened for you in this process. Because it was, it was so beautiful the way that you wrote about it. You're, you're such a keen reader, my friend. That's such a great question. <laughs> do that question justice with a good answer. Um, uh, that's a, lo- that's like a big said, question. I, I apologize. <laughs> no, no, it's a great question. Oh, my goodness. It's a great question. I do think uh, I entered into Blessed She thinking I'm very cerebral in my faith. And I can help on the logistics end. I can do the editing and the timing and the deadlines and keep the ship moving but I will be darned if I'm going to have jazz hand spirit fingers <laughs> it's just not my style where's the Gregorian chant but really it was actually pride mm-hmm. it was not a genuine interest in like other liturgical music it was like my pride thinking kind of it's kind of beneath me and little did I know that 
really, I think that the crack started happening when I encountered the thousands of women in our regional Facebook group. So earlier on in the Facebook days, people would send me as, as an admin. We have these regional Facebook groups. There's, I think there's like 50,000 women across the world mm -hmm. in these groups. And early on, people would just send me as the admin, hey, could you post this prayer request for me? It's you know, a sensitive topic. Can you do it anonymously? Now there's an anonymous feature. But for many years, I would get these prayer requests from women and think, wow, I don't even know what suffering is. Mm. This woman is going through something so heart-wrenching. And how many years have I spent in judgment and analysis of other people's lives and their behavior, you know, uh, fill in with any topic, thinking that I had the answers or I could psychoanalyze my way into understanding life. And I think our Lord used those, I mean, thousands of requests and, and reading the prayers that people would offer for each other and witnessing like God working in people's lives. It had to come through my heart because my head was kind of blocked. Like mm -hmm. my brain had already zipped up like, I got it. I got this all. I got my faith figured out. It's compartmentalized on Sunday. Check, check, check. <laughs> so he had to, he didn't have to, but the Lord chose to move through my heart with the women that we serve and, and also seeing that when I stopped being so busy having all the answers, I was so free. I didn't have to have all the answers about other people's lives or their choices. And instead I could think, gosh, this is a God who, who has mercy for them, who has mercy for me. This is a God who loves me the same as the, you know, the person on death row for heinous crimes. Mm -hmm. This is the God who is here for, he created all of us. And to see that universality of his profound love really moved me um, and started kind of kind of opening mm -hmm. opening that up and then specifically to your question about inviting Jesus into the memory so one of the authors the last chapter is Liz Kelly she's a phenomenal author she's written many renowned books won many awards she's actually here in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis St. Paul where I live and I got to know her and attended some um, like prayer groups that she was running and was so struck by this, I think it's an Ignatian practice, yes. but of walking yes. through memory mm -hmm. with Christ, not to gaslight yourself or sprinkle some Jesus on it, like we're like, right. make it all better. Oh, it's all fine now, it's all fine. Mm -hmm. But instead say, I wasn't alone. Right. As a little girl in that first chapter, I wasn't alone, even though I thought I was all the way up to my last chapter. I wasn't alone. He's always there with me. And Again, that feeling of isolation is just, it's a lie straight from hell. And yeah. instead to embrace that he wants to not just bind our wounds, but heal our wounds. Mm -hmm. um, I learned that through Liz, through Liz Kelly, who's such a gift. God bless her. That's really beautiful. I think that's something that we need to talk more about as Catholic women, as we're sharing our stories, is that we were never alone. And to remind ourselves of that. Because I think women, for some reason, feel particularly alone a lot, maybe more than other members of society. And I think it's so important that we invite God into that past and let him kind of inform it. I think St. John of the Cross talks about allowing God to fill that memory and to perfect the memory, you know, with his love and with his sweetness so that we're able to see things as he could see them. And to see where he was in that. And I just think it's lovely that you brought that theme all the way through your stories. 
as we watched you, you know, escalate and de-escalate with all these really scary heartbreaks and then like relationship struggles and then your family and having to be a peacemaker and your family of very eclectic human beings who all have different opinions about everything. And like, I feel like we can relate so much to your stories and the fact that you were changed by the stories of other women and are now changing people's lives with your stories is so beautiful. And I'm just, I love that so much. And I just hope that our listeners will, will um, make this book a priority in their spiritual reading. Cause it's like you said, there's so much good stuff out there. But what's very unique about this book is that it is a deeply personal and it's not a, like you said, a sprinkle Jesus on it kind of deal. It, it, it's, it's more of an invitation and it's really beautiful. And I'm, I'm excited to read more. Well, I love that you're both talking about bringing Jesus into the memory because I've been reading a lot of uh, St. Therese and she's talking a lot about how she didn't feel like she had enough mercy sometimes like people were you know mean or whatever and she didn't want to be be nice but she borrowed jesus's mercy mm-hmm. and sometimes when we go back to our wounds and we and we're, those wounds still hurt you know maybe we don't feel like we're strong enough to give that mercy yet but we can borrow jesus's mercy to help us to get to that point and so i really love that you know what you both were just saying that Jesus is always there with us, but we can also invite him in to fill those weaknesses that we have in our character also. It's beautiful. Actually, I need to sit in a holy hour with that. That was so I, profound. <laughs> oh, I know. It's beautiful. <laughs> but I like it just sitting in there and like, like you said, like just the whole, you could spend, like you said, a whole holy hour just thinking and dwelling on like that whole idea of um, borrowing like yeah. his mercy is like, you know, I, I love that because I mean, you know, it's not we're taking it. We're giving, you know, we have to give it back to mm-hmm. others, yeah. and it's not just, <laughs> yeah. a, and that's it's how alone. we, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's how we give it back to him is through <laughs> sharing it with, sharing that mercy with others. Yeah, um, so it's beautiful. One of the things that I loved that you talked about was practicing virtue toward ourselves too. Like when we are broken or we have failed or we tried our best and we still didn't make it. You know, um, what is it like in your head now when you have to practice virtue with yourself? Like, what are the things that you've learned to say to yourself when you feel like a failure? Because I I know that moms, a lot of moms in our listening um, audience really struggle with that. And all of us here struggle with that on a consistent basis. And so that's a thing that we would love to kind of know. I think one of the things that you said was um, one thing that really touched me. It was this moment that you had that you were talking about where you were with your mom and she basically just did what moms do and, and just nailed it and said, this is not the right guy for you. And of course, <laughs> you had wrapped your identity and not failing your family and being successful in love. And she just called you out and it broke you. And you said, I'm sorry that I disappointed you or something like that. I'm sorry I let you down. And I had that moment when I was reading that where I was like, wow, that is exactly the way that I operate sometimes. I feel like I have to be the together one because the family is so, ooh, sometimes. <laughs> and when you feel those things now, because that's probably a part of just your personality and you probably still struggle with having to check that back. 
What is your what is the your process of speaking truth to yourself in those moments? Yeah, especially like you said, for for those of us who are moms, we we set the bar so unrealistically high. Mm-hmm. Our house is gonna be clean by the end of the day. <laughs> People are gonna have had three nutritious meals. Every bit of homework or homeschool will be done and We'll also somehow have exercised and fully hydrated and been a good daughter and friend to everyone who needs us all day long, in addition to being a good wife and mom. And um, I do, we, we had, our first three kids were in under four, so three and four years, and then four and six years, and then a little bit of a gap, and then uh, a fifth baby who was a C-section planned, but because I had so many health problems planned C-section, so... I think the bar had to drop because I learned I couldn't, I simply couldn't do it all. So part of the, part of like the the repeated phrase for me would be laying in bed and looking at the crucifix above our, our door frame and just saying, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I trust in you. Mm. Because I, you know, when I'm pregnant, I'm too sick to do much of anything. I'm not doing holy hours or rosaries. I'm, I'm barely dragging to mass on Sundays. And just to say, I guess that, the feeling of failure is an incredible gift that we can offer back to Christ mm-hmm. and to view my suffering as a, a gift and not in a Pollyanna-ish way. And I think that's throughout the book, through my stories and Brittany's and Liana's and Jenna's and Liz's. It's not, um, hey, everything turned out great because I'm a believer. We're fine. It's uh, this this life, this veil of what we're in, it, it is hard. There's many joys, but there's much suffering. And mm-hmm. instead of thinking how do I avoid suffering like hot lava, right? Kids mm-hmm. who are like going through the living room, ripping up all your couches and your, and your cushions. Think, well, this, <laughs> this failure in me that I have to face yeah. every day, my, my failings as a wife and as a mom and as a daughter and a friend and a sister um, are actually a cross that I can offer back to our Lord. So mm-hmm. instead of turning internally and thinking like, I'm going to fix this by like willing myself out of it. If I had a self-help book and if I could like get all the right things, it actually just for me has been utter surrender of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I love you. Jesus, I trust in you. I can't do anything without you. I can't, I, I'm not in existence with you hold me in existence, mm-hmm. God. And I, I'm going to fail again tomorrow and not even sin fail, just fail, fail, logistically fail. Right. Life with five kids. <laughs> logistically fail. fail. I love it. <laughs> so just turning it back to him thinking, even, even my failure can be a gift to him, mm-hmm. a consolation, if you will, yes. an offering back, which I know sounds a little crazy and like uber Catholic. And I'm not saying that because I'm so devout. I'm saying it because I've been so desperate, just yeah. like mm-hmm. laid out flat. There's no other option. I cannot fix right. myself, or I sure would. Right. The only option is to say, yeah, it's, it's yours, Lord. Mm-hmm. That is solidly beautiful, contemplative, deep Carmelite stuff. I love it. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> is there anything that you want to talk about tonight or speak about that's on your heart that you want our listeners to hear from you tonight? biggest thing that comes up whether I'm interacting with people on social media for blessed is she or even my own social media is just you're not alone we talked about this earlier but I have so many especially younger moms who reach out and say and my oldest is only 11 so I know nothing you know, moms who have one or two and they're littles and they say I I this is so much harder than I thought or 
I'm doing everything wrong. I've read all the books. All the blogs are conflicting. My mother-in-law thinks I'm doing it wrong. My sister's doing it a different way. I'm struggling in my marriage. My prayer life is zero. And I just, my first response back is, oh, you're not alone. You're not alone. We're in this together. Right? We're in this struggle together. And we're in it because we're part of the mystical body of Christ. We're part of the church, right? We've been baptized into Christ's church. We are his bride. And we do have each other. And that's the beauty of, you know, whether you're going to Mass or you're praying the Liturgy of the Hours, you're praying the Rosary, or just, or just praying a simple Our Father straight out of the Bible, that you're in communion with so many other women who are longing to be seen and loved and affirmed. Someone just please tell them they did a good job today. Someone, Hi. anyone. <laughs> uh, you're, you're, you're so much less alone than you think that even if you cracked open to one person at your church or one person at work or one person in your social sphere and just said, hey, I'm actually having a hard time. It, it wouldn't shatter you, their image of you. It would probably mean they say, I'm having a hard time too. Maybe our hard times look different, but to admit to each other, we need help. And that doesn't mean if I ask for help, I will inconvenience people. They'll have to bring me a meal, so I better not say anything. They might just say, can we pray together? Can we do a Hail Mary together? I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to send you anything or like go over the top that'll make you feel uncomfortable if you are vulnerable. I just, I just want to be here for you. And you know, to, to open, like we drop our shield and they drop their shield. Yeah. Uh, and the whole book is us dropping our shields. I mean, yeah. the stories are, they're real and they're mm-hmm. raw. From Jenna Gieser saying she, she dropped out of college. She felt like such a failure. Or Liana Bowler, she and her husband started their family before they were married mm-hmm. or Brittany Calavita struggle with disordered eating and body image mm-hmm. stuff or or Liz Kelly's stories about MS and what she thought that diagnosis would mean but it didn't and so the book it's not just for it's not just for women in one demographic or one season of life they're they're all from different seasons and stages but the universal trope of you're not alone we are we are together we're in relationship and we can pray for each other it's just man it's liberating but it's also so powerful it is I noticed that's one of the things that makes this book so incredible the way that you guys have structured it, this is appropriate for almost every single stage of womanhood. There's stuff in it that I was wanting to get, you know, the high school girls that I mentor to read. And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, they've got to read this. And then there's stuff in there that was beneficial to me. And I even went looked over at my 10-year-old and read some stuff out loud to her. So it's just, it, it gets to the heart of femininity. Like, this is a unique book. This is a book for every woman. This is the book, you know, that we all want to share and, you know, join in together. Finally, something that isn't just pigeonholed to one sector of life. You know, there's everyone is in this book and it's beautiful. Yeah, I do want to just say, um, I didn't mention what book we're talking about at the beginning of our podcast. Well, for, uh, for good reason. I wanted to focus on the story because the book is about st- sharing story. And that's what our podcast is about, is sharing the story. So I wanted to share the story first. Right. Um, but the book that we are talking about, because we've mentioned it so many times, is the new uh, Blessed Is She Made New. It's a, a 52 Devotions for Catholic Women. And so there's just like a little story for every week of the year in there. And um, so that's what we're talking about when we mention the book. But, <laughs> but I really did want to focus on the story first so that um, people knew how powerful this actually is. And, and for our listeners, I'm going to read just on the back just to as a what before I say what I was going to say, but that I just says it's a um, 
It walks readers through vulnerable stories of struggles and identity and the beauty of redemption. I just noticed so many Facebook posts that have just been like popping up on my newsfeed lately from friends who are talking about their identity and how it's, uh, you know, who they are and like their true self has like is coming about after this, that or the other. And I feel like our society like we, we're we're so wrapped up into who we are that we're not looking at who we are through Christ. Like mm-hmm. it's like, it, you know, I feel like that this. I haven't actually read any of this book yet. <laughs> I'm the one who has it. They they've kind of dominated that part. <laughs> but uh, just listening, um, it just really brought that to me, and that so much, you know. And of course, you're like having to tell all your friends all this to you know these things too on social media and like you know all this. It's so much is wrapped up of who. Others think of us as it being in our identity uh, or, you know, and who it's wrapped up in like in, in wh- how we feel and our, you know, our, our emotions and not looking at really the true, who am I in Christ? What is the nature of our soul? Yeah, what is that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it sounds like that's kind of what this is, yeah. like ripping off that Band-Aid to trend, you know, and discovering through each of our stories through this connection that we can have with each other as women. Yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> it's like, I haven't, because yeah, I haven't gotten girl, a chance to. You don't have to read the book. You nailed it. <laughs> no, that's so funny. I mean, we do kind of get not just identity politics, but we get so defined by what we look like, how, how much money we make, how many kids we have, what our social standing is. If our eyebrows look good, mine never look good, by the way. I don't know how I do any of those things with eyebrows. <laughs> our house plants, I, you know, all of these, like, kind of, you know, kind of trivial things, but also we are made in his image and likeness. We are God's beloved children or his beloved children. And if that's our main identity, instead of who's accepted us and rejected us, what our life story looks like, how, you know, any of these true, like, out, outside things, man, if we can kind of cling to that real identity, it's so life changing, like you said. People get real busy on social media explaining mm-hmm. ourselves to others, but sure if we're actually God's daughters, His beloved daughters, a lot of that melts away. We don't have to explain every single decision in our life and pigeonhole ourselves before someone else gets to it and explain everything. We can simply rest in that, which is a lot of freedom. And so much of who we really are is interior anyway. It's not built on these externals that we try to project. Like even when we try to project this, you know, Catholic image sometimes, that isn't actually what's going on. There's wounding that's taking place. There's healing from the wounding. There's returning and going back and forth. And I just think it's so important that a book like this comes out at a time like this Mm -hmm. that grounds the identity of believers in something that is unchanging and then brings it back from all the broken places. That's really, really great. And so we're jazzed, if you can't tell, (laughs) about this thing and about you and about your work. And so what's next for you? What are you doing next? Do you have any plans? Are you just doing your ministry, speaking? You know, know, it's it's funny. So this was a book we, because we publish a lot of our own in-house books. We do Avid and Lent every year. We have a number of, like, group studies. We call them Blessed Conversations. But in 2020... 2020 <laughs> guys, 2020 um a gal reached out through our our inbox and uh, somebody forwarded to me and said i'm not sure what this is and i, w- I was reading the email and i read it again and thought wait wait a minute 
this is a woman who says she's an editor at HarperCollins, and they want to talk with us about doing a book. What? Did I read that right? And I reread it again, and then I called Jenna immediately, uh, our, our founder, Jenna Gizar, who's down there in Arizona. I was like, Jenna, Jenna, I, I think this is an email from HarperCollins. She's <laughs> like, no. I don't have to forward it to you. I think it is. Um, and the editor was so sweet. Her roommate of hers was Catholic and followed blesses. She and this editor worked in the gift book division of HarperCollins in the Christian division and said, you know, there's such a huge underserved Catholic women's audience for mainstream books. I mean, we have, we have lots of wonderful people who purchase our books through our website, but like, this book is in Barnes and Noble. This book is on Target's mm-hmm. website. This book is places that we, you know, we wouldn't be otherwise. And she was just delightful and it started this beautiful relationship. So it's been wonderful to work with them and to, to have our, our sweet, these ladies write for our daily devotion emails. We have 40 writers. So to, to grab a couple from that team and say, do you guys want to do this project together? We, we came up with the book topics, which was really fun. And they picked, we, we came up with a bunch and they picked ones that they liked. And so that's really a joy. Um, it's been fun to work on. So right now I'm actually working on, if you can believe this, Lent 2023. <laughs> We're always out of sync with the liturgical seasons, right? Really far ahead. <laughs> Lent 2023. Uh, I'm giving a little, a little chat at my parish for Mother's Day. Still working on that. It's not quite finished yet. We'll talk for them. And, but mostly I feel like, especially having my fifth, that you know how that goes, you guys. Um, just, I, I love my work with the ministry so much. And then just whatever he's calling me to, but it is deep interior work in the heart of my home. That's the mm-hmm. primary call for me. Keeping everyone emotionally afloat, which you guys know those preteens, oh, the Lord. hormones are coming. Girl, if you have tips. It's like a, it's like a freight train. Mm. Mm-hmm. I love that you said deep interior yeah. work because so that is what it is. <laughs> yeah. I like that too. Like when that. we're doing what our primary vocation is, whatever that is, whatever everyone's primary vocation is, when we're really trying not to just escape. In the early years of being mom, I was like, please, I just need a break. My husband worked like 14-hour days and I was alone with kids all the time. It's like any break, any break, Lord. And now that I have a little more oxygen, they're a little bit older to think, well, I, I, I love that I get to be part of this enormous sisterhood of women, these beautiful writers to help kind of story doula. As the editor, I get to kind yeah. of story doula their stories. That's like, great. That's stories. awesome. <laughs> but only, that only, kind of like, get out of the story. You can do it. Yeah. Um, that only works if my life is rightly ordered. You know, if I'm rightly ordered, if yeah. I'm caring for my husband and caring for my children, trying to care for my own body. I mean, I did not drink a whole eight ounces. How many ounces? Eight, ten? How many glasses of water a day, guys? I, I didn't do that. Whatever. <laughs> Just realizing, like, the Lord works through us, these imperfect instruments, when we're cooperating with the plan he has in front of us. Wow, so it's a wild ride. I, who knows? <laughs> well... No, I, I really want to thank you for coming on today and talking with us and sharing your story and then sharing your book with us and how that came about and all the beautiful things that you guys are working on at Bless She to help other women know that we're all just on this road together, this journey together, that we aren't alone. And I think it's just really beautiful, everything you guys are doing. So thank you. Thank you. Oh, you guys, it's such an honor to, to have part of your evening and to be able to share my story. And I wish I could be there with hot cocoa so I could hear your story, too. <laughs>
Right. God bless you now. We're praying for you and all of your journey and your ministry. And we're going to be following you. And maybe we can have you on again and see where the Lord takes all of us. Amen. Hallelujah. Bye. Bye. God Bye. bless you guys. Bye. God bless you too. Bye. And as always, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thank you. Join us again in two weeks. Until then, may God bless you and may Mary accompany you.